Welcome to church, uh, where we talk about halftime shows. Uh, so we're in the middle of a series called uh, B-Sides, where we're talking about every story matters. Every story matters. And if every story matters, that means your story matters. It means my story matters. Not just the ones that we know up front, not the, the big ones, but every story matters. And if, if your story matters, then you matter, right? Like, you matter, and I don't know what people have told you. I don't know what your own mind has told you, uh, that I'll only matter if I do this, or I'll only matter if I succeed in this way, or check this box, or buy this, or live here, or I'll, I'll matter then. And, and those might be not even just narratives in your head. People may have told you those things. And I'm telling you, you matter. You matter. And your story matters, and the difference that God is going to do, the difference that God is going to make through your life, it matters it matters. And I think about even the, all these amazing stories like about like the, the heroes of the faith, like Billy Graham and all these kind of people. But what about, if you, if you read like Billy Graham's story about his Sunday school teacher, right? Just this faithful lady that was just teaching kids faithfully and she had no idea what part of her legacy was going to be Billy Graham's story. So this is, these, these are the B-sides. These are the, if you guys are music people, these are the deep cuts, right? These are like the, oh, you don't really, you're not really a fan of this artist unless you know these songs, right? There's like the, this, the you know, like if you're Apple Music people, these are like the, the artist essentials. And then there's like the deep cuts, right? The next steps, right? And then there's like the further ones where you're like, going, oh, if you're a true fan, you know this, you know, uh, like... Like Grateful Dead back in the day, the people, the deadheads would hold up microphones in the crowds and make their own albums. It's like these kind of stories, right? And a lot of us, we're those situations, right? We're not slaying giants. We're not, you know, feeding the 5,000. We're just like serving in kids' ministry. We're volunteering at the local food pantry. We're trying to, the best we can to raise our kids, even though we don't know, they, they probably don't know this. Maybe they figured it out, but we don't know what we're doing. Right, parents, like, we don't know what we're doing. You know, by maybe, like, the fifth kid, you're like, I think I have a clue now. But, I mean, the first few were just experiments. Like, we just don't know what we're doing. Right, this is the majority of our life. We're, just, we're out there just trying our best. We're like second-grade soccer players, just out there having fun, just trying our best. Right? Hopefully, we don't get found out. So, today, today we're going to talk about that. So, actually, since today's the Super Bowl, I, wanna, I wanted to do something kind of fun. I, mean, I want to, I, I, anyways, I'll, I'll talk about it. So, we're going to talk about the Super Bowl a little bit here at the beginning, and I'm just curious to see how much you guys know about the Super Bowl. I had to Google this stuff, and I was like, this is very, pretty fascinating to me. So uh, we're going to have a little Super Bowl quiz for you, okay? So uh, here's uh, the first question of the Super Bowl quiz. Uh, do you guys even know where they're playing? Anybody know where the Super Bowl is? Arizona. Where in Arizona? Glendale. Who knew that? That is really good. Yeah, I didn't know that. I, I heard people say, oh, it's in Phoenix, right? Phoenix, that's like people like going, we have an event in L.A., but it's actually in Lake Forest. It's like, okay, come on. It's, I guess, you know, if you're out of, out of the state. So it's, it's in Glendale, Phoenix, right? It's in Glendale. Uh, anybody know the arena, the stadium? State, state Farm. This is so fascinating to see who actually knows uh, this stuff. Okay, uh, do you know who's playing? The Cubs, yes. The Chicago Cubs. Uh, and the Detroit Red Wings are playing in the Super Bowl this year. <laughs> Chiefs and Eagles. The only reason I know the Chiefs are in it is because one of the churches I oversee is in Kansas City. Uh, and then, you know, they, they're, my phone was blowing up with them saying, we're going to the Super Bowl. And I'm like, I don't care. Uh, so the Chiefs are playing in the Super Bowl with the Eagles, uh, which yeah, I didn't know that. Do you know how many people are going to be in attendance this year? At least four. Yeah, Ruben, at least four. Yeah. 
More even, I think, I heard. What? What's that? The whole, every, everyone in attendance at the stadium. Anybody know? Anyone have a guess? 82,000. 80, actually, pretty close. 72,000. 72,000 people buying hot dogs and go to the bathroom. And, like, think about that. 72,000, I don't know why my mind goes there. It's just like, that's, a, that's an amazing amount of people. Which made me think, what was the largest Super Bowl ever? Do you guys know? I don't know why you would know this. Uh, this is the kind of things you ask Siri. What's that? Nope, they played at Rose Bowl, actually, against the Rams, right? Uh, 1980, 1980, before some of you guys were born. 1980, uh, 103,000 people. That just doesn't seem safe. You know I mean, it seems like the, 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 the thing would just collapse. 103,000 people. Anybody know who's, who's playing at the halftime show this year? Rihanna. Rihanna. Everyone knows that one. Why is that? Why is that? You know, just a good Christian gal doing the halftime show today. Uh, gospel singer. I'm really curious to see what, the, what that's going to be like. Do you know how many uh, players each team can field? I don't know why. I love trivia, so this is like really fun for me. Um, do you know how many players each team can field at the same time? Basic football question. 22. Each team. 11. Yeah, it's like, it's like a lot of players. 11 on each team, so 22 total. Uh, yeah, do you know how many uh, players each team can have on the roster? 53. 53. Wow, that's really, is that Alan? Wow. Next time we do like football trivia, I know it's going to be on my team. Okay, 53 players. Of those 53, how many can dress? Not like wear a dress, but like uh, that's their own decisions. But I mean, they're, how many people can dress per game of the 53? 48. The max they can have dressed, because, you know, people are injured uh, or they're suspended or they're in jail. Uh, so of the 53, 48 people, you know, because they're fighting dogs and stuff. Um, so, <laughs> true story. Uh, so, 48 of the 53 can dress. Now, how many, uh, uh, this is a different question, how many staff on average does a team have on the sidelines? 15. 10. 10 staff. So, you have like a coach, assistant coach, defense coordinator, blah, blah, blah. I don't know, I can't name anymore. That's the extent of my football knowledge. And then, do you know how many staff the average football team travels with? 6? Oh, 60. No, 110. Is that weird? 110, what are they doing? 110 people, like someone has to carry water. I don't know what they're doing. 110 people, this is the big question. This is like the one that was like, it was actually mind-blowing that made me go, I'm not gonna say this, it's actually trivia, and then just remember this for the next time you have Trivial Pursuit and they have this trivia. How many average employees, or how many employees does the average NFL team have? Now this is everybody, this is like the staff, this is the players, this is the person selling hot dogs, parking lot, Marketing person, everyone. A thousand? Three thousand? Three thousand? Oh, Michelle was. <laughs> huh? I told the worship team ahead of time. That's why, Michelle. 3,739. Take all the employees, divide them by the number of NFL teams. This is what they, 3,739. Okay, why is this important? Okay, there's actually a point to this, right? You're like, what's going on? What did, what did I walk into today? Uh, why is this important? Because when we think about the Super Bowl, we think about a few people, right? Even if you guys are diehard fans, like you are diehard Chiefs, even my, my, my friends that are super diehard Chiefs fans, they know maybe a few players, right? They got the jersey. They don't know all 11 that are playing at the, the starters. They don't know the, like the 46th player that's dressing that never actually plays, but he's just getting lead minimum salary, right? Just living the good life. He, they don't know those players. They don't know the uh, 
thousands that are part of the staff that make it happen. But I tell you what, every single one of those people, every single one of those employees matter, right? They matter because someone has to come in early and clean the toilets, right? And then clean constantly throughout the day. Some of you guys are like, why is that a big deal? You ever gone to like a porta potty or a restaurant or any place where they didn't have someone cleaning the toilets? Okay. And you're like, I wish somebody cleaned the toilets. Right? And so 72,000 people, right? Someone's cleaning the toilet. Someone had to come in before that toilet cleaning person and unlock doors. Someone had to set up cones out in the parking lot to make sure that it's a little less chaotic than it could be, even though it's still going to be chaos and take an hour to get out of the stadium. But it could be worse if they set out cones. Someone had to get water for the players. Someone had to make hot dog orders, right? Someone, I mean, imagine it today if the concession person's like, ooh, I forgot to click submit on the order. We have no food today, right? Or you didn't pay the water bill. Like that person matters, right? Because you're going to feel it if they're not there. Think about the p- people running security checkpoints and all that so that everyone can enjoy a safe game. And on and on and on we can go. That all these people, they will never know their names. No one's buying the jersey of the hot dog salesman. No one's buying the jersey of, of the person running security. But they matter, I think all these B-side stories, right, that matter. And when you think about big moments or big stories in the kingdom of God, we can forget that there are so many more people that matter behind the scenes. And so I want to ask you a few questions, and they're pretty much the same question asked a few different ways. And then we're going to circle back to them at the end uh, after we talk about a few things. So the, the first question is this, can you handle obscurity? Can you handle obscurity? Like, honestly, can you? Like, some of you guys are like, I would prefer obscurity. Like, some of you guys are going, this sermon is going to be the easiest thing for me because I, I never want to be noticed. I would actually be horrified if you asked me to talk uh, in public, right? Actually, you know, people's biggest fear is speaking in public, right, on average. Some of you guys are like, that's your favorite thing ever, right? Um, but can you handle obscurity? For some of you guys, like, you need applause. You need to be noticed. Second thing is this, pretty much same question asked a different way. Can God trust you with anonymity? Could God trust you with anonymity? Like, it'd be super weird if, like, the, the super important person over concessions or over the cleaning team at the stadium today runs out on the field during the halftime show and is like, focus on me. Like, you're important, bro, but seriously, get off the field, right? So can, can God trust you with anonymity or do you need applause? Uh, third question, can you be faithful even if you don't get noticed? Can you be faithful even if you don't get noticed? Another way to put it is, can you be faithful and not post it on social media? One of the cringiest things I see on social media is where someone like helps like someone in need and then blasts it to like, uh, look, I'm buying this person a sandwich. It's like, cool, you're awesome. Just like, that's super cringy. Like, why, why, would, why would you, it just feels weird, right? Like we know it intuitively, it's weird. So can you be faithful even if you don't get noticed? Like Jesus talked about, don't even let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, right? It, essentially, the, just do good and you don't have to post about it. I'm not saying it's bad to post about it, but just you don't always have to post about it. So can you be faithful even if you don't get noticed? If you don't get applause, did it still happen? Right? <laughs> if people didn't notice you, did it still happen? Uh, are you, and the last question, are you strong enough to be invisible? Are you strong enough to be invisible? Right? Again, some of you guys are like, totally, easy. And for others of us, it's a little harder. It's a little harder. So I want to look at one story. One story. Uh, where Jesus feeds the 5,000 and talk about uh, some obscurity and some lessons we can pull from it. It's John uh, chapter 6, uh, and it, it's, it reads like this. After this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went uh, because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. 
Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. Uh, Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. So there's thousands of people. Later we'll find out there's 5,000. Well, 5,000 men, probably 15,000 plus when he had women and children. So it's not a small crowd. Not quite Super Bowl, but pretty good size uh, crowd. I don't know any church that gathers 15,000 on a Sunday morning in one location. So there's all these people. And then the most awkward question, uh, Jesus says, turns to Philip and he asks, hey, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? And Philip's like, nowhere? Like, are you kidding me? So Jesus wants to teach them, but they're obviously hungry to learn because they're following him from all over the place. Actually, there's more people there than there probably live even in that area. They're coming from a long way off. And so they're hungry to learn, but they're also hungry to eat, right? And so in order for Jesus to meet their spiritual needs, he has to meet their physical needs first. There's a homeless ministry I used to work with years ago, and they would, you know, before they gave the homeless a meal, uh, they would uh, ha- they'd have to sit through a church service. And I always pushed back on the director. I'm like, why? Can you just give them a sandwich? Can you just, give them a, just feed them? And then if they want to come to church, they can right? But you have to feed them. Those guys are teachers. I know a lot of you guys keep granola bars and you have like a little fridge with meal replacement shakes and all that kind of stuff in there because you know your students that come in that don't eat breakfast for the situations they, they come from and they, they, they want to learn, but they can't learn because their they're, they're tum-tum's growling. <laughs> you know what I mean? So until their physical needs are met, they really don't care about their spiritual needs. So Jesus understands that. He needs to feed them. And so Philip is actually from Bethsaida. So Philip is from the area there. And so Jesus is, I don't know, going, hey, Philip, you got any connections? You know anyone who's got like, I don't know, 15,000 rolls just hanging out at their bakery? You know any place we can get like a 20% discount? Wants to get like a a, a tax write-off, right? So he turns to Philip and Philip's like, I don't know what to do. So the next verse, verse 6, it says he was testing Philip, testing Philip. And I don't look at this as a testing like pass-fail, but he wants to give Philip a core memory. And he's trying to teach him something. And then it says he already knew what he was going to do. He already knew, he already knew what was going to happen, but he needed f- to put Philip in a certain state of mind. And so Philip answers, even if we worked for months, even if all of us worked for, for, for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. What's so important here is I think Jesus is trying to set them up to call them into a space to trust him. What Jesus is saying is, look, where I'm calling you, it's not going to all make sense. Where I'm calling you, what I'm calling you to do, you won't have enough connections, even though you're from the area and you know everybody. Even though your buddy runs a bakery, all your connections isn't going to be enough. All your resources aren't going to be enough. And Philip realized right away that he didn't have anywhere near enough to do what God was asking him to do. He wasn't enough. He didn't, have en- he didn't know enough people. He didn't have enough connections. He didn't have enough resources. He couldn't do physically what God was asking him. It seems almost cruel, doesn't it? It's almost like if I were, were look at my kids, I was like, fly. They're like, uh. We're like, refinance our mortgage. You know, what I mean? it's like, uh, I don't know how to do that. Jesus is asking Philip to feed 15,000 people right? So Philip's like, uh, even if we all worked, we still wouldn't have enough, right? So Jesus is like, watch, watch. This is a core memory. Watch. Watch what I do with a little faithfulness of a kid. Watch what happens. This is a mustard seed moment, right? It's just a little bit of faithfulness added with God's supernatural can do amazing things. 
So then Andrew chimes in, verse 8, next verse. Andrew, Simon Peter, Peter, we know him as Peter later. Peter's brother spoke up. He's also from the area. Hey, there's a young boy here uh, with five barley loaves and two fish, right? But then he goes, but what good is that with this huge crowd, right? In the Midwest, we would say that's like a fart in a windstorm, okay? That's like, it's not going to do much. It's like, hey, we hit 15,000 people. Okay, I got five loaves of bread and two fish. It's not going to, but we have it. And here's this weird thing. We don't even know if the boy offered it. Right? It's not like, like, it, like, Andrew, did you just bully this kid? Like, did you steal his lunch money? Like, what is going on? So I think, I think if, if the boy gave up his uh, food, which I, I do, I, I don't think Jesus would condone bullying. Uh, if the boy gave up his food, my guess is he did it reluctantly, and here's why. I got to thinking about this. We always talk about how, uh, when we tell this story, I hear it all the time, that this was the boy's lunch. You just heard that in church? We're like, the boy gave up his lunch. Okay, I don't know if this kid's a college linebacker, but I don't know what child, you know, eats five loaves of bread and two fish for, like, lunch, right? Look, I love carbs as much as the next person. I've been carb-loading my whole life, okay? I'm I'm ready. I'm ready for that race whenever it comes, okay? So, but five loaves of bread, if you eat that for lunch, I'm like, I think you should check, like, your insulin resistance, like, levels. Like, I think you have, you may have some issues uh, going on here. So, my guess is that amount of food, there's people waiting for him to bring it home. Right? He's taking that somewhere. His dad's like, hey, here's some money. I'll go get dinner. And so here comes boy going, hey, there's a crowd. What's going on? Hey, oh, you want my food? <laughs> I'm going to be in big trouble. Right? But he gives it. There was a need for it. And Jesus already knew that he was going to feed everyone with it. And he already knew that he was going to leverage the generosity of the least of these. I love the Gospels. I love Jesus because he doesn't use the powerful, the mighty, and all. He uses, like, the stories he tells, the heroes of the story, are the despised, the marginalized, the ones that everyone says are out. Jesus goes, not only are they in, they're the heroes of the story. They're the Samaritan. They're the, they're the boy. The disciples. We're like, I don't know we can figure this out. There's no way this can happen. And the boy's like, I don't know what you're going to do, but I got this. If you can use it, right? Faith like a child. So he's going to leverage the faith of the least of these. Philip is like, man, even if I gave maximum effort for months, I couldn't, get, I couldn't do what you asked. Andrew's like, we have some bread and fish, but man, it's nowhere near enough. And these guys, these are the disciples. They focus on the problem. They focus on the problem. This is what we do as adults, Right? Kids don't do that. Kids are like, what do, you want for, what do you want for your birthday? I don't know, like a pony? What do you want to be when you grow up? A dragon? Like, I don't know. Like, I want to be a firefighter, astronaut, millionaire, right? They, you can, they dream. And the, as we get older, we, we get more practical, right? We're like, here's all the reasons why that can't happen. So these guys focus on what they, what they could do, and it wasn't enough. Not on what God could do. They focus on the problem, and not focus on the God of the universe. They focused on their limited resources instead of, the, uh, instead of God's unlimited resources. And here's the crazy thing. The disciples recognize Jesus as Savior, right? And they're, t- they're talking to the author of all life. Like later, some of the apostles would pen things like, all things were created by him or through him, and all things are moving towards him. Like they understand who this man is, yet they're trying to talk him out of what his plan is. Like, hey, this is, Jesus, I, don't, I know you're like, 
you're only 33, all right, man, but let me explain to you why what you're asking is impossible. Let me, let me teach you some things here. You ever get in a conversation with God like that? Where he's like, hey, here's what I need you to do, and you're like, oh, let me tell you why that's not a good plan. Let me tell you why that doesn't make any sense. Let me tell you why that, Jesus, that isn't wise, right? They were surprised that God was asking them to do something they couldn't do. They were surprised that God was asking them some, to do something they were incapable of doing. But here's the crazy thing. That's the whole point. They missed the whole point. The whole point is that they cannot do it. This is the gospel. The gospel, I might step on some toes here, but I, I, let, me, let me explain myself before you just take this snip and go, you're wrong, Taka, that's triggering, right? The gospel isn't that you are enough. Do you understand that? The gospel isn't that you, and I'm not, put a pin in like, well, but, I, but my counselor says I am enough. Okay, yeah. The gospel is not that you, are, that, that, that you are enough. The gospel is that you are not enough. You understand that? This is the point of the gospel. The gospel is that, the gospel isn't that you can do all things. The gospel is that you can do all things through Christ. The gospel is that you're not enough, but with God's enough, you are more than enough. Like that is the whole point is that you're not enough. There's nothing you can do. There's no boxes you can check. There's no success that you can achieve, no promotion that you can get. There's nothing that you can do to be enough to have right standing relationship with God. There's nothing. There's no many letters you can get after your name, no zeros you can have in your account to have right standing with God. You're not enough. And Jesus goes, but that's enough, right? The gospel is not, hey, when I, pull up, when I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps, you loved me. When I succeeded enough, you loved me. When I achieved enough, you loved me, and you were finally proud of me. No, the gospel is when I was in my sin, when I was in my darkest moments, you loved me. You died for me. You met me there. You weren't ashamed of me. Even you realize that in the original story of Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they hid because of their shame. And what did God do? Went looking for them. Isn't that amazing? And that is a story of the gospel. So the gospel is not that when I'm successful, you made me even stronger. The gospel is, man, when I'm weak, you're strong. Actually, what the Bible says is that your strength is perfected in my weakness. That God's strength is perfected when we recognize that we're weak. And too many times that we want God to be strong in our lives, but we're too scared to be weak. We're too scared to be honest. We're too insecure to be mortal, too insecure to be fallible, to be imperfect. That we feel like we have to be all these things. And you, you know what it means to be immortal or to be mortal, to be fallible, to be imperfect? That's human, right? To err is to be human. Like, he got it right. So, what God is asking us to do is, can you stop pretending? You know it, I know it. Look, you sin, I get it. You're imperfect, I get it. You're broken, I get it. God's saying, then can you stop pretending that you're not? And can we, can we meet there? Right? He didn't say that while I was in my sin and pretended to be fine, that you love me. I don't know. 
that I, 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 I was broken, but I dressed it up with nice clothes and nice stuff, and then you loved me. I finally made my parents or my old teacher proud, and then you loved me. No, no, no. It says, while I was yet in my sin, you loved me, gave yourself for me. It was important for Jesus to set them up to see their limitedness so that they could recognize his limitlessness. We learn through weakness, don't we? We learn through weakness, but we can never learn through strength. Think about the biggest lessons you've learned in your life. They were probably learned through moments of weakness. They were hard. Probably don't want to go back and learn them again, but they were deep lessons. You learn through weakness, but you can never learn through strength. You learn through pain, but you can never learn through comfort. Right? You learn through failure, don't you? Again, you probably don't want to do it again, but you're going to fail again at some point. You probably failed today. Who knows, right? You learn through failure what you could never learn through success. And Jesus wanted them to recognize that their identity isn't what they could do. Their identity wasn't in what they could achieve, what they could accomplish. Jesus wanted them to recognize, hey, Philip, I, look, I knew you, didn't, you couldn't produce 15,000 loaves of bread. Come on, man. Andrew, I know, I know that's not enough bread and fish, but just watch. I just want you to recognize your limitedness so that he does something in this moment that later, decades later, these writers that we call the Gospels will write this down and go, oh, remember that time? We got to record it. We got to tell that story. And so next verse, it says, Jesus says, tell everyone to sit down. So they all sat down. I don't know how they communicated this many people uh, without sound systems and stuff, but tell everyone to sit down, Jesus says. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered 5,000. The men numbered 5,000. This is why, I don't know why they only caught men or taught, uh, counted men. That's a whole other issue. But uh, we can guess there are at least 15,000 people or so with women and children. A lot. A lot more than a kid's uh, grocery run could, could provide for. Right? Uh, kind of a side note. Uh, do, you know, do you know how they knew there were 5,000 people there? Some intern counted. You know what I mean? Like someone had to count. And the reason I say that is people are like, oh, it's not about numbers. It's not about, you know, quantity. It's about quality. Yeah, but numbers matter too. You know what I mean? Like if, if, you, have like if, you, if you have one less kid after you go on vacation, you're not going to be like, it's quality though. Quality, not quantity. Come on, don't get, so, so, don't get so caught up in numbers, right? Every kid matters, right? Every kid matters. And so, yeah, they, they counted people. And so, you know, people are like, oh, that, that church, you know, the, the, the incredible mega churches that are doing amazing work, people hate on them. They're like, well, they have this many thousand people. Yeah. And they count them, and they should, because every, every single one of them matters. So anyways, I don't understand the hate on megachurch. Anyway, so uh, says, so then Jesus took the loaves and, and thanked God, gave thanks to God, and just distributed them to the people. After he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. Jesus took them to Sizzlers. They just ate as much as they wanted, went to a little buffet after church. So Jesus does this miracle. And I just think about when he was passing this out and, and everyone's like, oh my gosh, the fish are still there, but they're also over there and there, like the bread. And can you imagine the face of this kid? Can you imagine? He's like, like, this core memory is just gigantic in his head, right? It's like, what? Right? <laughs> he was learning lessons. He was learning lessons. Man, God can do amazing things. That little faithfulness. <laughs> I gotta, I my parents are going to ask me, ask me what happened with the food, and I can't wait to tell them, you know? If God did all this with this little faithfulness, what would happen if I gave him everything? And the crazy thing is we don't know what happens to this kid. He's anonymous. He's not even, he's just known as the boy. Like, how weird is that, right? I just give him a name. Let's call him Kevin. Whatever, what happened to Kevin, man? Like, what did he do? 
my guess is his life went on a whole new path, right? So next verse. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, now gather leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up all the pieces and filled 12 baskets uh, with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. When the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, surely he is a prophet we have been expecting. Kind of a side note, we tend to waste things that we have a lot of, right? And Jesus talks about this, even, even in this situation, to be good stewards with everything God gives us. Whether he gives you a ton or a little, man, he's not like, oh, feed the birds, who cares? We got a ton. I'll make more. It's like, no, 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 like every little bit, be, be a good steward of what God uh, gives you. So everyone worships and says, oh, this is the Messiah. Surely this is the prophet. And I picture the boy just standing there like super proud. Like, you guys remember like the shake and bake commercials? From, like the 80s, 80s and 90s, right? Where they, you know, sh- you know sh- I actually really like shake and bake. We ate it a lot growing up. Uh, but, you know, the commercials always ended with like the little boy or little girl. Do you remember what they said? And I helped. You heard this? <laughs> you just Google the commercials. It's really kind of funny. Uh, I actually watched some as I was preparing this. I got a little distracted. Uh, so <laughs> as my little ADHD mind goes. Uh, so, but I helped. And I can picture this boy going, I helped. He's the Messiah, but like I, I helped. And you wanted, you wanted almost like at the end of a musical where, where the cast like points at the orchestra or something. Or like everyone's like, oh, I didn't recognize it was live music. Yeah, it's awesome. And then recognize like the orchestra pit. Like you, you almost want Jesus to go, I know I'm the Messiah. Thank you. Let's give it up for the boy. Kevin, right? Am I right? Like, come on, man. Like, it's all about Kevin. No, it doesn't happen. You want, like, the disciples to pick him up and, like, put him on their shoulders, like this, like, Rudy move a moment, right? It's like, Kevin, just thousands of people, right? Doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. This boy gets no recognition. Not even a thank you. Card? Nothing, right? A coupon? Anything, right? Nothing. But here's the question. Do you think the boy regretted it? You think the boy regretted it? He, he was a part of something that he'll never forget. Like I picture like decades later when Kevin's old, right? It's, I, I, I've done the research. His name actually is Kevin. But I, I'm pretty sure like decades later and he's got his grandkids around him. And his grandkids are like, Grandpa, put your teeth in and tell us a story again. <laughs> Tell us a story about how you fed all these people, right? Tell us a story. They've heard the story so many times, but he's like always down to tell it again. Okay, there I was, guys. My dad sent me out five loaves, two fish, 15,000 people. And it just kept coming. Just kept 12 baskets, right? He would have told a story. Oh, I would. You know that person that threw that one touchdown in high school and they tell a story over and over again? We get it. You're like a good quarterback 40 years ago. Okay, like this, this is like an amazing story. But I think about what would happen if he would have said no. Because like a no made sense actually, right? Like, hey, can we use your five loaves to feed 15,000? He'd be like, I don't know if that's even going to make a difference, but it'll sure feed my family. So no, <laughs> right? Like, and no one would go, that's a bad decision. We go, yeah, that's probably wise, man. That's weird. Some stranger you just walked on is asking you for your, your dinner. Uh, go bring it home to your family. But what would he have missed out on? Right? Like he, he, years later, he's, they're not gonna be like, grandpa, tell us a story about how you went to the store and then brought it home. <laughs> we love that story. Right? That's not an adventure. That's not a story. 
right? He would have missed out on the biggest moment of his life of being a part of something. And when I think about so many of you, I think about how generous you are with your time, with your talents, with your finances, and the more generous you are, the most generous people I know are the most joyous people, joyful people I know, right? I don't see any regret. I never see a generous, faithful person that feels like they got cheated, that feels like they got less. I mean, think about the most joyful people in your life. Aren't they generous people? So, all of us, me included, okay? So, I've, we've all said no to God at times, right? You know, like, that, like at, at your small group or your, your work, and they're, like, asking for a volunteer. Does anybody want to? Or maybe your small group, they're like, hey, does anybody want to close this out in prayer? And you're like, just don't make eye contact. Like, I don't, I'll just look at the ground. I, you know what I mean? Because so if I make eye contact, they'll, like, ask me. Right? So, and there's been times where, where, where you feel like God's going, I, this is what I want you to do. And you're like, I just don't. Let's think about something else, right? We've all said no to God at times. It just makes me think about what, in, what in incredible adventures, what incredible stories have we missed out on? Me included. Think about the greatest adventures of your life, the greatest stories of your life. They, a lot of them started out with a simple yes. And a lot of them didn't make any make sense at the moment. I bet whoever wins the Super Bowl today, and again, I don't care. Uh, we, we all win if we have good food. So I, I, I bet whoever wins the Super Bowl today, either team, the 3,739 staff members will celebrate as if they were one of the 11 on the field. The marketing director, the hot dog salesman, they're not going to be like, oh, that team won. No, they're going to be like, we won. Like my friends that are like Chiefs fans, if the Chiefs win, they're, we won. It's like, you didn't do anything, though, man. But we won. They were a part of nation or whatever they call themselves, right? And the grand story of, the, of what God, uh, that God is writing, you play an important role. People may know your name, and they may not. It doesn't make a difference because it's not the point. And so, I told you I was going to end with the same questions, so I'm going to ask you the same ones again as we close out. Can you handle obscurity? Can you be like Kevin? Can you handle obscurity? Can God trust you with anonymity? Or do you need to be noticed? you need to be applauded? Do you need the likes? Can you be faithful even if you don't get noticed? And are you strong enough to be invisible? So, be more like Kevin. Let's pray. God, we, uh, we, we submit our lives to you. We realize that we have a limit of, of breaths from now till the end of our life. There's just... There's a set number of them. We don't know. We want them to matter. We want to live a life that we're going to be proud of at the end of all this. Faithful, used to build your kingdom, used to change lives. And God, would, would, would the world be a little better because of us? Would our neighborhoods, our workplaces be better because of how you use us? And I know that you can do a lot through someone who is faithful and doesn't need to receive the credit. So God, we're declaring as a church family, you can use us as individuals, as, as couples, as families, as a church, and our name doesn't need to be on the t-shirt. We don't need any, any applause, any, any notice. We just want to be a part of what you're doing in this world. There's a bunch of people that don't know you. We want to be part of making that happen, of connecting you to them. 
There's a bunch of people that need physical needs, just practical needs. There's a bunch of people that need to be advocated for that feel like they don't have a voice, that feel like they're invisible in society. God, we want to give them dignity and respect. God, help us to do that. Help us to speak on your behalf that would your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Would your will be done on earth through us as it is in heaven. We don't want to just sit here and do services once a week, God. We want to make a difference in this world, not for Voice Church, but for you. Would your name be lifted higher? Would your, the flag of Jesus be lifted higher than any church name, any person's name? We do it for you, God. It's worship. Because someone did it for us. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, what a powerful, powerful message. I just kept sitting there thinking to myself, I wonder who each of us can identify with in that story. Maybe you were the little boy who's just like walking by and you're like, oh, what? Do you need help? You You want something? Okay. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're the one with something to give. Maybe you're the disciple who's like, I literally cannot do what's in front of me. There's, I don't have that kind of power. But I need God to help me with that. I, there's a situation in my life, there's things in my life that only God can handle. And maybe you're the person in the crowd who's like, I traveled a long way because I need God. I need Him. I'll come here hungry, I'll come here dirty. It doesn't matter because I just know that if I can get in God's presence, my life will change. I don't know who you identify with in that story. But when this part of the the service is over, I want to give you the time to think about that and to sit in God's presence and to ask him to do whatever it is you need to do in your life. And so we have prayer after service right over here to the left. If there's anything you need prayer for, if you need prayer for healing, for finances, for relationships, whatever you need prayer for, we're here for you. We want to pray for you. But we also want to give you time to just hear from God yourself. And so there will be music after we dismiss. You're welcome to stay and worship and just sit here in God's presence if you want to do that. But you don't have to. You can go if you want to. You can be dismissed. There's no shame. It's fine if you got chili to make or whatever. It's, it's, a, it's all good. But uh, we want to provide that space for you, if that's you today. Um, And, uh, you know, before we head out for the day, we always give an opportunity if you want to, if you want to be generous, if you want to be a part of something bigger, like like Taka talked about, you want to be part of giving to something bigger, making a difference in people's lives. We always say that you don't give to the church, you give through the church. And so if you want to do that, if you want to give today, uh, we want to provide you that opportunity. There's I believe there's a link on the screen. You can just go to that link. You can go to the QR code. That'll work as well. Or you can drop off anything in those purple boxes on your way out. But before we go, I just want to take a moment and just pray a blessing over you. Um, and just, I just want to pray that God moves in your life this week. So if you wouldn't mind just putting your hands out as a sign of surrender, if that doesn't feel too uncomfortable to you, I just want to pray for you. God, I just... I just thank you for every person. I thank you for every person who came here this morning. God, you see them. 
you see the depths of their heart. You see their struggles. You see their pain. You see their joy. You see their fear. You see their excitement. You see. You see. And you have something to say to each one of them. So, Lord, I pray that whatever is going on in their life, that you would speak with them about it. Speak with them, Lord. That they would be able to hear your voice clearly, whether it's audible or a, a still sound in their heart or an idea that comes into their head or someone who comes and, and says something to them that confirms something they need to hear. God, I pray, would you speak with them? Speak with them. We need to hear your voice. You're not just some character in a story. You're a real God who cares about us. Speak with us, we pray, God. Would, we, would you speak through us? As we leave this place, God, we don't just want to come here and be filled up. We want, to, we want to make a difference in this world. We want to provide hope for people. Would you use us, Lord, to be your voice? Would you use us, God, for people who are in need? Would you use us for people who need a confirmation? Would you, would you use us? And lastly, God, would you use this church to make a difference in our community, to make a difference in our world? Would we not just be so wrapped up in our own little bubble that we forget there are people outside that need you and need your hope and need your love? And would we be an example of that in Jesus' name? God, I just pray your blessing over each one of these people here today. I pray for healing. I pray for wisdom. I pray for whatever it is they need, Jesus. I pray for them that you would bless them greater ways they can ever even imagine. In Jesus' name, amen.